0: I'm so excited to talk to you today about VAWA, the Violence Against Women Act. It's a way that you can, if you've experienced extreme cruelty or battery in the United States, it's a way for you to be able to sometimes um, fix your status without leaving the country. And in other cases, it's a way for you to get your work permit and Um, Your social security number here in the US again without leaving the country and if you are in a foreign country You're also able to apply for VAWA and kind of go through the consular process that way. So it's a really amazing tool Um, We practice extensively in my law firm in VAWA. It's something that I absolutely love. I'm very very passionate about I as you as you probably know so far am not a always politically correct person Not in a sense of trying to be ignorant or dismissive of political correctness. I think that it absolutely has a place. I also live in the real world where, please hear what I'm saying. When we talk about VAWA, this can be a very sensitive issue for people. And it should be. It's about a very sensitive topic. But we live in the real world where domestic violence, where extreme cruelty, where you know, being very um, unkind to family members behind closed doors is something that is extremely common. And just because you don't have um, maybe personal experience with it doesn't mean that it's not happening. So I talk very candidly in this episode about VAWA and I might talk about it in a way that you think is just so relaxed. And um, maybe I use terms that you don't like that are, are bothersome to you because it's uh, too, too chill or too um, maybe too judgmental, um, even though I certainly don't mean to ever uh, judge anybody for any of their behaviors. What I want to ask you to do is listen for the takeaway. I'm not gonna say everything perfectly, but that isn't gonna stop me from putting out this message because I believe in VAWA. I believe that it is helping transform so many people's lives. And at the end of the day, if I believe, if you believe, like I believe, that families belong together, then we need to look seriously at the family dynamic of what undocumented, really mixed status families, undocumented people, immigrants in this country, what they are going through on a daily basis and have frank conversations with ourselves, and if you're an immigration attorney with your clients, and if you're an American first gen kid, you need to look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, have I done this? Has this been something that I have done? And if so, I wanna figure out a way to p- perhaps help support my parents in getting their papers, or if I'm a spouse, is this something that I have done so I can hopefully help get my spouse their papers because I believe in keeping families together. So I hope this is a helpful message for you. Again, please hear my message. I don't always use the perfect words, but I love you and I love VAWA. Enjoy. I'm so excited to talk to you today about VAWA. VAWA stands for the Violence Against Women Act, but it doesn't actually require violence like you and I would think about it and it doesn't have to be against women. So the name of it can be kind of confusing. But this is really a conversation about what VAWA is, why it's important, and who can benefit from it and kind of what are the next steps about it. So that's like the four parts that we'll talk about today. So let's get started. Who needs VAWA? Who does this, who does VAWA benefit? So VAWA is going to benefit you if you are in the United States um, or or in a foreign country, but we'll start first with people who are in the United States who've been told that, um, I'm sorry, you uh, I see that you have a US. citizen child over the age of 21, but unfortunately because you entered the country without permission, the only way for you to fix your status is if you leave. And you stay out of the country for 10 years because you're not eligible for a pardon waiver. So you need to leave the country for 10 years and then your U.S. citizen child, their petition for you can work. So VAWA helps people who are in that situation. If you are in Mexico or Mexico is so common for us because it's one of our main client bases, but if you are in a foreign country and you experienced battery or extreme cruelty in the United States from a certain family member. And we're going to talk about who those families are, family members are, but if you experience that here in the United States or, um, a combination of in your home country and the United States, so let's say in Mexico and the United States, you may be able to get a green card through that relationship, through that, that cruelty or battery that you experienced. And then last but not least is someone who perhaps you've been told that you have the permanent bar and you know you were coming and going because of extre- the extreme cruelty you were experiencing from either your US citizen spouse or your um, lawful permanent resident parent, um, your citizen parent, or your child. Maybe you were coming and going without permission because of that. And so ordinarily we would say you have the permanent bar and the only way for you to fix that is if you spend 10 years, again, outside the United States and kind of endure that, um, what is very commonly called a punishment. With VAWA, you're able to overcome the permanent bar in certain circumstances. So again, these are all um, ways to help you. The other person who this can really benefit is if your family member who could petition for you is refusing to do so. So this is something we see all the time where a an American spouse refuses to petition for her immigrant husband, and he entered with a visa, he's eligible to adjust his status, he just needs the qualifying family member to go ahead and file the petition already. And then she or he won't do that, which keeps the immigrant... Um, without papers, because if you don't have ordinarily, you can't petition for yourself. There's no self-petition process outside of something like VAWA, a U visa or a T visa. And of course, we're gonna talk about VAWA here today. So those are the main people who um, really can benefit from VAWA, who, who their life will be totally different if they're able to get a green card or at least a work permit and social security number through VAWA. So if that might be you, If you are thinking this might sound like it applies to me, if you're a US citizen um, over the age of 21 and your mom or dad, perhaps they're undocumented or they don't have their papers or whatever we want to, however you want to phrase it is comfortable for you. This might be a great conversation for you to tune into because we all know when we have been extremely cruel to our family members. None of us like to really reflect on it and think about it because there are things that perhaps we're not proud of. But if it is something that's it's happened for you, you've been extremely cruel to your parents um, who are undocumented, this might be a great way to help take something difficult and sad that perhaps even, even though you're not proud of it, it may be something that is actually going to pave a path forward for them so they can get their papers and live free in the United States and be able to travel to their home country freely because they'll get a green card. Okay, so that's who needs VAWA. Let's talk about what VAWA is. VAWA stands, as I mentioned, for the Violence Against Women Act. And back when Joe Biden, President Biden had hair, had a full head of hair, mostly, VAWA was passed. It was in the early 90s. And it was because there was a lot of violence, literally, against women. Um, There still is. It's been a, you know, centuries uh, old issue. There's still a lot of violence against women, but they passed this act and they also included a provision to help protect immigrant women who'd been experiencing a lot of domestic violence. Later, this was expanded to also include protection of men who were experiencing some type of extreme cruelty or battery, usually from an immediate partner, like an intimate partner or a child or a parent. So an immediate family member. So that's what VAWA is. Now, the name, again, I want to reiterate is very misleading. So violence makes it seem like it is violent. When I think of violence, because I grew up in a family where violence was like, you know, very physical. I think of the word violence, very physical. And, you know, I think all of us can really start thinking about what we think violence is. And we need to get that. The first thing I want to do is challenge that belief, whatever comes to mind when you think, Oh, VAWA means for people who've been beat up, or if you don't have a black eye, which I've heard people say, if I don't have a black eye and I don't have a picture of it, I'm not getting VAWA. Or I've heard other people at different organizations who say that if there wasn't physical abuse, literally abuse, then we don't file for VAWA. And that's not what VAWA stands for. And it's very frustrating for me. So I'm going to get a little bit on a, a soapbox about that, but here's what VAWA requires. You have to have experienced battery or extreme cruelty. That's the air quote violence, battery or extreme cruelty. Let me pull apart what both of those things are in just a moment. I want to give the other things to help you. If you're going to qualify for VAWA. you've experienced battery or extreme cruelty, and you're a person of good moral character. Those are the three main things. And then you also have to, of course, be admissible. So, you know you can't have certain convictions and if you have an inadmissibility issues like the permanent bar, those are going to be hurdles that we have to overcome in order for you to get your green card through VAWA. But in terms of getting VAWA protection, which is you're, you're not going to be eligible to be removed. So you kind of have that don't touch that you can't touch this all around you because you're protected for, through deferred action through VAWA which is fancy speak for ICE cannot deport you while you have VAWA. So you have a work permit, you get a social security number and you can't be deported. That's what VAWA gets you. And it also, depending on what your circumstances are, can forgive an unlawful entry. So if you entered walking to the United States, you have a child, that child turns 21, that child is extremely cruel to you. You're a person of good moral character. We would file... um, Hypothetical person, of course, not giving actual legal advice. This is a podcast conversation. We would file an I-360 for you along with an I-485, which is a green card application. We would call that a one-step VAWA application or a VAWA AOS because you're eligible for a green card other than you entered IWI. So the vowel forgives the fact that you entered IWI, that you entered without inspection. It forgives that legal mistake that you made or, um, decision that, that was made perhaps for you. Like if you're a kid and you were brought to the United States, it's not that you made the mistake or, um, that really, you know, anything else. It's simply that you're here, you entered without inspection. How do we fix that? And VAWA Helps cure that legal issue. Okay. Let's talk about what battery is and let's talk about what extreme cruelty is. And I just want to say, just to kind of take a step back, we talk, when I talk about this as like entering without inspection as a mistake or as a legal error, this is not me casting any judgment on those things, whether you made the decision or whether your family made the decision or whether you're you know, uncle made the decision for you to be brought to the United States or for you to enter without inspection. It is a, an issue that must be overcome in order for you to fix here in the United States. It's an issue that has to be overcome in order for you to get a green card. So when I refer to it, those things, I really want to make sure that they sound judgmental and that's not me. So I want to kind of just take a beat and make sure that we're on the same page. There's no judgment there but there is a hurdle that must be overcome. So I think that's a more accurate representation and how I want to show up for you in this podcast. So forgive me for um, kind of making that misstep. Okay, onward. What is battery and what is extreme cruelty? So battery is a legal definition and it's going to depend on what state you're in. Interestingly, in Arizona, where I'm currently located, there's no definition for battery. They just don't have it as a criminal um, statute. By contrast, I'm licensed to practice law. Like I got my law license from Nevada. That's where I went to law school. Shout out to Boyd School of Law. And in Nevada, we all remember anytime you talk to a lawyer, if there's a definition for battery, it's always going to be on the bar exam. And so you can memorize it and say it cold, but battery is the harmful or offensive touching of another harmful or offensive touching of another. So there has to be some type of physical contact that is harmful or offensive to the other person. This might sound like violence where we're talking about like, if you don't have a black eye, you don't qualify for VAWA. But here's, let me give you an example. And we learned this in law school. So I love that I, I was not really paying attention in this class in particular, but yet yeah, I use this example all the time when I'm talking to people about VAWA. If I am in my car and you walk up and let's say there's some road rage issue going on or something like that, and you smack the hood of my car and you make a a mean, angry gesture at me, that could be considered battery because your car is an extension of you um, under Nevada law for battery. So if my car, if you walk up and smack my car, This is harmful or offensive touching of another, and you would qualify for VAWA because of this smacking of the car. No black eyes involved, no physical contact directly with me involved. So this is where an attorney can really help you use the definition of battery to your advantage. If you're seeking to qualify for VAWA, this is, this is just what lawyers must do. So harmful or offensive touching of another harmful or offensive touching of another. That's the main definition of battery. So if you haven't experienced battery, perhaps you've experienced extreme cruelty. Now, extreme cruelty is an, is a legal term, but it's something that is subjectively measured. So if you, what I would consider extreme cruelty because of my life experience and what I have gone through and what my culture's norms are, it's going to be different than what you have experienced and what you find to be extremely cruel. So for example, I'll use my mom as an example, kind of a made up hypothetical, but my mom is a very devout Christian. And so if you say something to my mom, that is very negative about Jesus it would be extremely cruel to my mom. And not that this qualifies as extreme cruelty for vawa I'm just giving you a frame of reference of, if you say something really mean to me about Jesus, like, I don't think that's cool, but I'm not going to get really hot and bothered about it. Like that's, you can say what you want. I'm, I'm just not going to be bothered by it. Like it, it, whatever. My mom, it would pierce her heart if you say something about Jesus to her. Okay. I, I give this example to say different things can be said to different people and they land on them totally differently. So if I have been abused as a child, which I have been, and later in my adult life, and this, is not, this has not happened, I'm just using this part as an example, hope I don't confuse you. Let's say that I have someone who leers at me, they come at me. Because I have been hit before, I'm going to wince and that's going to cause me to be very fearful because I have been hit before. Now, if someone does that and they know, like, let's say this is my adult child. Let's say I have a 21-year-old kid, American child, who knows I was beat up as a kid by my parents and that every time they make an aggressive motion toward me, they see me flinch and cower and then they laugh at me. And maybe they make fun of the fact that I'm so scared of them. That's extremely cruel. And I think that with a psychologist's diagnosis, you can, you know. And I'm just using this as a hypothetical. This is something that I would absolutely, as an attorney, build on and build on and build on. Just that one thing. I when I see that that U.S. citizen um, children are doing this to their parent, I know that there are other things. It's not just that they leer at them and laugh at them for, you know. Flinching because they think that they're going to hit them. There are many other things going on. And a lot of times I see that um, financial control is something that's going on, whether that's from your spouse or from your child. I see that financial control coupled with like weird threatening behavior or, you know, unfortunate threatening behavior, both of those things coupled together are super common. Let me give you an example. If a U.S. citizen woman is married to, let's say he's a Mexican man and she gets mad at him, they're driving along, gets mad at him, tells him to get out of the car, walk home, throws him out of the car. It's 115 degrees in Phoenix and makes him walk home. When he gets home, she says, I want to see, I, I need the cash that you earned today. Give me, give me the money that you earned today while you were at work and then he has to give her the cash because she says she needs to pay the bills and those types of things all of the um all the bills are kept in her name so she needs to get them paid but then she keeps the rest there's never any money that's returned these types of things when we start to when we start to see this type of pattern showing up there are other things that are going on in that marriage and you'll notice that none of this is the american wife hitting anybody no one is punching, smacking, clawing or anything like that in these two examples. The real icing on the cake when we have this type of thing is usually the American spouse or the American child over the age of 21 will say things like if you don't do whatever, if you don't if you don't do this, um I'm not going to petition for you or if you don't do this I'm going to call ICE on you. And when ICE is here, I don't really know or the police, I really don't know what they're going to say. Those types of things are what form extreme cruelty for USCIS purposes. But you'll notice that it perhaps when we first had started having this conversation about extreme cruelty, we still think in terms of violence, but that really overlooks the psychology and the emotional and mental experience that humans have. So if someone is abused as a child, they have experienced trauma, their brain is totally altered. It's really wild how our brains are totally altered. And then that those traumas can be relived, physically relived as an adult, like throughout your life, if you don't, if you're not able to heal it, like physically heal, like through whatever therapy you need to go through Those are re-experienced. And so what I do as an immigration attorney who works in the space of VAWA a ton is I work to see where have you experienced trauma in your life before and where is it showing up again now? Because it's going to be amplified now. And we explore those spaces to show that this person is experiencing extreme cruelty. So I hope that these are helpful examples for you. And then when we talk about, so you have to have experienced battery or extreme cruelty. You do not have to have experienced both. So a common example of people who've experienced both. I was in an argument with my, I'm the immigrant in this scenario. I was in an argument with my wife. She's an American. And she threw the TV remote at me or she threw her glass at me and it hit the wall. Um, She called me bad names and made fun of my English and told me that she was never going to petition for me that I was just marrying her for this reason and that if I didn't watch out, I was going to get deported and I would never get to see our kids again. Those are the types of combo battery and extreme cruelty that we see that never actually leave a mark, but the person is so physically traumatized by it. You will never forget that argument, even if it was just one argument. You will never forget that argument because it was so extremely cruel. Okay, you to qualify for VAWA, you also have to be a person of good moral character. So, good moral character is a very—it's uh, a discretionary decision. It basically means that if it smells funky, then USCIS is going to deny it. But if it smells right, if it smells like chicken it is chicken. So if it, if you are a good person and the way uncle Sam loves to see if you are um, a person of good moral character is, are you filing your taxes? Are you supporting your community somehow? So if you have community service or you're involved in your church or anything like that, that's an important consideration for good moral character. And what is your criminal history? So if you have any criminal history, this is where as an attorney, you need to be able to, or if you're advocating for yourself, you need to be able to explain it, assuming that this isn't something that makes you, you know, base in the good moral character is just for a very set period of time. It's not for forever. But if you have, let's say a, a bad domestic violence charge from 15 years ago, I think it's still important as an attorney to explain what happened. Because USCIS is going to be able to see it and whether or not they say they're taking it to an, into account, once you see it, the mind knows. And so it it colors the way we view someone. If we know that 15 years ago they had a domestic violence conviction and that now they're claiming that they are experiencing domestic violence and that they're a person of good moral character. You know, we want to make sure to offset and explain things that might impact the USCIS officers view of how this case I'm using the word smell, but like how it hits them, you know, how it lands on their mind. What is the big takeaway for them? So that's being a person of good moral character. Now, in order for you to get your green card, you do need to be admissible to the United States. This is the green card component. So if you prove those things, then you're eligible for VAWA. And, you know, there's a very high, uh, probability of getting an approval because the approval rating statistically speaking is very high with USCIS. In order for you to get your green card, you can't have, you can't have the three or the 10 year bar or the permanent bar unless you file a waiver for one or all of them. It's totally complicated. Um, The benefit there I will say is that with a regular three or 10 year waiver, or 10 year bar waiver, unlawful presence waiver, you need to show that, you know, your qualifying relative is going to experience hardship. If it's not approved, then the advantageous thing, or then the, the beneficial thing in the context of VAWA is that you are the qualifying relative. So the person who's experienced the extreme cruelty or the battery, the person who's applying for the, for the green card through VAWA they, you, the undocumented person, or your mom or dad or your spouse, whoever you're thinking about, we have to show that they will experience hardship if this this waiver isn't approved. This is really helpful for people in a situation like. I'll use a specific example. Let's say that you're. Let's say my name is Maria. I'm from Mexico. I came to the United States in 1998. I had my daughter. She's an American. And, um, after I had her, I had been here for, for about a year. Um, it just under a year, like nine months. And then I left and I reentered illegally both times with, I was walking without permission. That person does not have the permanent bar, but does have the 10 year bar. And so if, we're filing before that 10 years has lapsed. We may need a 10-year bar unlawful presence waiver. So if we were filing this and, you know, we got to think about when the, my facts don't really add up here because now USCIS has fortunately changed its policy where the 10-year bar can run, whether you're in your home country or in the United States. So these fact patterns are fortunately going to become fewer and fewer, but I think a marriage might make more sense um, if you were filing for VAWA based on your marriage, but play along with me. For the sake of the example, but if you are, um, in that situation, you would file a waiver and you would be the qualifying relative where outside of the VAWA context, you would need your kid, um, is your only, uh, immediate family member who has status, but kids usually can't be, um, they, they never can be a qualifying relative for our, um, waiver purposes. Let's go through some examples. Well, and first I really should tell you through our examples, I'm going to go through this, but the, one of the factors that I haven't mentioned yet is exactly who can be, I call them the bad guy in your situation, who can be the person who's causing me the immigrant, the battery or extreme cruelty. Maybe I'm, re- I'm experiencing a lot of battery and extreme cruelty from a lot of people in my family, but only certain people can be the bad guy in the story in order for you to qualify for VAWA. And that's going to be your spouse, who's a U.S. citizen or lawful permanent resident. It can be your ex. So let's say you've been divorced and I'm talking, you have to be legally married this is so important because it gets really into some gray areas. It's so common for couples to have lived together for a very 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 long time and never have formally gotten married. That'll work if your state um recognizes, if your state recognizes common law marriage. So Texas is one of those states where they recognize common law marriage. Arizona does not recognize common law marriage. So if you have lived forever and ever with your spouse here in your U S citizen or lawful permanent resident spouse here in Arizona, there's no common law marriage. You would have to be legally married to that person and also then experience battery and extreme cruelty at their hands in order for you to qualify for VAWA. Like all of the pieces of the puzzle have to be clicked together at the same time. I'm married That person is a U.S. citizen or a lawful permanent resident while we're married. And while we're married and they're a U.S. citizen or a lawful permanent resident, I experience extreme cruelty or battery from them. And I'm a good person. I'm a person of good moral character. So sometimes what trips people up is they experience extreme cruelty from their spouse, but then their spouse divorces them and later becomes a lawful permanent resident All the pieces I'm using, I don't know if you're seeing this on video, if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple, but I'm like putting my hands together in the sense of truly all pieces of the puzzle must be here in order for the picture to form. So in that situation, unfortunately, you wouldn't qualify for VAWA, even though your ex later became a lawful permanent resident, because at the time of your marriage, while you were married... And while the cruelty was going on, your partner had your spouse had no status, so they weren't a lawful permanent resident. Then, they became a lawful permanent resident after you got divorced, and uh, presumably quit experiencing the extreme cruelty or the battery. Let me spin off on this. Um, let me spin a little bit on this hypothetical though. This this example because let's try it again. I am married. To someone who's undocumented, they don't have status right now, and I experience extreme cruelty or battery from them. We separate and they become a lawful permanent resident, and they continue to be extremely cruel to me. Maybe it's through nasty threats, text messages, take keeping control of your finances, stalking you, um, coming to your home and scaring you, making you live in terror. Um Those types of things. I would argue that that still qualifies because you have not gotten divorced. Your partner now has, is a lawful permanent resident. We just have to make sure that you're experiencing what qualifies to USCIS as battery or extreme cruelty and that you're a good person. We have all of those things, the recipe, like we've got all the things in the pot together. We stir them all up and everything works. All the pieces of the puzzle click together at that point again, it is a case by case determination on whether you've experienced battery or whether you've experienced extreme cruelty, but the components of, you know, if I've just separated from my spouse, that's not a divorce. You got to be legally married or legally divorced to either begin being eligible for VAWA or to end being eligible for VAWA. Now, speaking of which, USCIS, like the the statute says that you have to file for VAWA within two years of your divorce. So you have some time, like if you um, experience extreme cruelty from your US citizen or lawful permanent resident spouse, and then you get divorced, let's say on September, 2022, that's this month, you have two years to file for VAWA based on. Your experience while you were married, even though you're now no longer married. It's two years from the date of divorce, not from the date of filing or from the date you separated. It's two years from the date of the divorce. Like, you know, it's a stamp sound for me, apparently, um, from when you actually got divorced. When it's stamped on the paper, it says divorce decree. Now, USCIS so there says there's no way to extend that and show that well there were these extenuating circumstances I should be able to go even beyond that two years, USCIS has said no you cannot argue that so in lawyer speak we call that equitable tolling, so annoying um, all these phrases we have to learn to kind of follow what the law is because so much of American law came from old England, merry old England and so they have these like very proper phrases that we don't use today other than in the law, but this is called equitable tolling when we say, I know that there's a deadline, but there's a really good reason I didn't meet this deadline. C, that's called equitable tolling in lawyer speak. USCIS says you can't do that, that the statute says two years has got to be two years, but I disagree. And I think that a lot of other advocates um, are with me on this, that this is something that we need to push back on. And that I have um, pushed back on a lot. Um, and it remains to be seen how it's going to go. But in any event, there's a district court case that says you can file after that two years. So I'm going with that and I'm going to ride that horse, hopefully to the, to the victory finish line. So that's two years from your divorce. What about legal marriages? We talked about common law. We know that if you have just been living together and you've not formally married outside of States where you don't have common law, it's not going to fly. But if you later, there's another, there's another kind of wrinkle here for marriages, where if you thought that you were married to the person, but they had kind of tricked you and they were actually married to someone else at the time of your marriage, which invalidates your marriage because you can't legally marry two people at the same time. I'll use an example. If I marry, I'll use my husband's name, Sean. I tell Sean, Hey, let's get married. We're going to get married. Sean marries me. Sean is an, uh, an immigrant in this scenario. And then he later finds out that I'm married to John as well. And my marriage with John was never properly terminated. And that I had basically been tricking Sean. So Sean could still claim VAWA, even though our marriage is not legal because of the trickery, It's not a proper legal term, but you get the idea. So if something like that has happened to you or your family member, this is a great conversation to have with a lawyer and say, I had previously been told that because I didn't experience this extreme cruelty or this battery because we, from my husband or from my wife, who's a U.S. citizen or lawful permanent resident, that it didn't qualify because we didn't, we, our marriage was not legal. There was some type of legal snag because he or she was married legally to somebody else. Well, I'm here to tell you there's a specific section in the Immigration and Nationality Act that is designed for you. So visit with a lawyer or do some digging. Um, The ILRC, Immigration Legal Resource Center, has a wonderful book on VAWA um, and has a lot of resources in there specifically on this, should that be something you want to kind of investigate more. Okay. So we covered spouses, exes. I should also mention that if your spouse dies, your abusive spouse dies within two years, you know, you have to file within two years of their death. Again, I think that you could argue equitable tolling. Do not play. This is like those car commercials where they're like swerving around really fast. And it says like, don't try this at home. It's a professional driver. I would say do not, um, do not argue equitable tolling at home. Definitely use a, um, you someone who's experienced. And, um, even, even that with that, you have to do so, um, with proper guidance and advice because it's an unchartered territory. Okay. Your children. So, or if you're a child, an American child of an undocumented person or an immigrant who you're trying to help them get their green card, this might be you. So American sons or daughters, can be the air quote, bad guy in this scenario. So if you've experienced extreme cruelty from your American son or daughter, and in immigration law, son or daughter means 21 years or older. That's why we don't say child, even though it is obviously your child. I'll use myself for example. I have four kids. They're all very little, nine years old and under they would be in immigration law considered my U.S. citizen children. But as soon as one of them turns 21, let's say my 21-year-old daughter, um, I guess I since I have twins, it will be my 21-year-old twin daughters, they would go from being my child to my daughter. Because in immigration law, we call kids over 21 sons or daughters instead of children. Okay? So if you have an American son or daughter... 21 years or older, who's been extremely cruel to you or committed battery against you, and you're a person of good moral character, then you can qualify. You are eligible for VAWA. I'm not saying you're going to win VAWA. I'm just letting you know that you check all the boxes and now you need to go seek out a professional or do a lot of digging on your own to really get in there and prove your VAWA case. But this should hopefully be really good news for you. And if that is the situation that I'm, and that's your situation, I'm guessing you've probably talked to a lawyer before and the lawyer told you, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm sorry, sir, because you entered the United States walking. There's no, and I know you have a 21 year old son or daughter who's an American because you had them when you were here, but I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to ever fix your status unless you spend 10 years outside the country. Let me just kind of blow that scenario up because if that U.S. citizen son or daughter has experienced, has given you extreme cruelty, has treated you with extreme cruelty or battery, then VAWA forgives that unlawful entry. VAWA covers that up and it's as if you entered the U.S. lawfully, okay? So anyone who's ever told you you, ha- you have a U.S. citizen son or daughter over the age of 21, yet you have to spend 10 years outside the United States in order to fix. My question would be, did they talk to you about VAWA? Because if they didn't, then they're missing something. Let's go back into the drawing board and see what else we have. And so immigration lawyers who are listening, this is a really important conversation to start having with your clients, every single client. I mean, part of our ethical obligation is to let people know what all of their options are. It is uncomfortable sometimes to explain to people what their options are and what extreme cruelty is. And no parent likes to rat their kid out. I promise it is so hard. I mean, I blame, like when I think about times when my kids have been, you know, they're, they're very little, so they can't be that mean yet. But when they have said things like just yesterday after dinner, my nine-year-old shouted at me across the kitchen table and I don't love you either because I would not let her use her sibling's tablet. So I know she didn't mean it, but kids say some really mean things to us as parents sometimes. I remember times when I have said really awful and done really awful things to my parents that I'm not proud of. But lawyers, friends, um, listeners, when this happens, this is not the time for judgment. This is the time to embrace our humanity and that we all need grace. And sometimes this is the opportunity to provide that grace and to say, mom, dad, I found out, I listened to this podcast by this immigration attorney and she talked about if you know your US citizen son or daughter has ever threatened to call ICE on you That might actually be something that can help you get your green card. And I know that I've done that. So I want to honor you by letting you know that this is an option for you, even though I'm not proud of it. I still want to let you know about it. And the same for spouses. We say the worst things to the people we love the most. We are the worst to the people who we love the most and rely and trust the most. Unfortunately, it's part of the human condition. But that doesn't mean that we don't talk about it or that we don't do something about it. We can use these painful experiences to pave a path forward that's very beautiful for our whole family. The phoenix is really cool because out of the ashes it rises. I'm in Phoenix, so I love that. And it really is like when you see a flower blooming through rock. This is what Vawa represents to me because it is from a hard place can grow something beautiful from a hard hard place within your family unit. The things that goes that go on behind closed doors that you don't want anybody else to know about and that you wish would just go away, those things can still make something beautiful. I love it. I think it's such a really cool tool to use. So immigration lawyers, I encourage you to get very comfortable and passionate about bawa. If you Let's go back to our qualifying air quote bad guys. I use that term just because it's easiest. So don't don't feel judged if you're the air quote bad guy in the story. It's just the easiest way to explain it because we're using a lot of he's and she's and USC's and LPRs and all that. Stepchildren can also be qualifiers for air quote bad guys. Okay, so if you're a U.S. citizen. Stepchild over the age of twenty one and you've been extremely cruel to your stepparent, then that could qualify as well. So there are some kind of like nuances there that are important. And then, of course, the question then becomes, well, what happens if I've divorced the parent who created the stepchild relationship? That's a complicated analysis. It really depends state by state. You need to talk to an experienced lawyer about this because It will hurt my, my little brain will explode if I try to go through every single state and explain, um, who qualifies and doesn't after divorce. And it really is a specific thing that an attorney needs to help you with. So if you're looking at stepchild, but I'm divorced, et cetera, call your lawyer. Okay. Children can also qualify for VAWA. So if your, if your parent has status and they have been extremely cruel to you as a kid you have to be the only kicker here is you have to be 21 or younger at the time you file for VAWA except if one of the central reasons for late filing for filing after the time you turn 21 was due to the extreme cruelty or battery and in that case you have until you're 25. So really when people come in and they're like, I don't have status, but my parent has status I give them a look and try to figure out, are you 25 or younger? And of course, then ask, are you 25 or younger? Because if you are, we got to have a quick conversation about that to see if, um, to see if, if you qualify. So children can also qualify for VAWA through their parent in certain circumstances. So mostly before the age of 25. Okay. Some of the, let me get into some frequently asked questions before we wrap up our little date here with VAWA. One of the most common questions I get is what kind of evidence do I need to submit? How can I prove that I've been, um, that I've experienced extreme cruelty or battery? And the most common evidence we submit is it's what's called a declaration. It's really your written story told in the context of what the elements of VAWA are. So battery, extreme cruelty, good moral character from a qualifying person. So I experienced financial abuse from my U.S. citizen wife. And then we talk about how U.S. citizen wife makes me give all my money. Um, she gives me an allowance. If I don't make enough money, then she doesn't let me eat. Um, she controls all of our finances. She won't let me put my name on the bank account. Um, she doesn't, she doesn't give me one of the debit cards. So I have no access to money or she has my paycheck deposited into an account that I can't like an auto payment deposit into an account I can't access. And then when I need money, I have to ask her for it. And sometimes she, she allows it and sometimes she doesn't. And then she demands I go out and work and get even more money. This is financial um, extreme cruelty. View. I mean, I'm not gonna say that from a legal perspective, but these are examples of what um what can amount to financial extreme cruelty. So, you know, your declaration needs to be written in a very effective way. We typically try to stay five pages or less, sometimes six pages really long ones. We might get into eight. If you've experienced a lot of extreme cruelty and we want to hit all of it or a lot of battery and we want to touch on all of it, but the declaration you have to keep in mind that your reader is a USCIS officer who reads dozens of these every single day. They're very tired. They need to be captivated by the story that your declaration is telling. And most importantly, it needs to be crystal clear that you've experienced battery or extreme cruelty and that you're a person of good moral character. So those things need and and the person who's doing it to you, I know I keep calling them the the bad guy, air quote bad guy. We need to know what their status is because lawful permanent resident, children over the age of 21, they don't count. Unless they're a US citizen, they don't count. Like their cruelty to you does not count for vawa purposes. But a lawful permanent resident spouse It counts. And sometimes people ask me, well, what if I can't prove my, my ex-spouse's immigration status? I can't prove that they're a U.S. citizen. Don't worry. Just ask USCIS to look it up. They can do their own internal search and look up this person and make sure that they are actually a U.S. citizen or a lawful permanent resident, particularly if they've naturalized. Okay. So what do I need to prove this? We all, almost always also include a, an evaluation from a psychologist or a licensed social worker who speaks with the immigrant about what this meant for them. Remember when I was talking about how to my mom saying insults about Jesus would be extremely horrifying for her. This It would be like torturing her. We would need some type of a report to show that when you know, let's say that I was being the extremely cruel U.S. citizen um, daughter in this scenario, and I would purposely say negative things about Jesus to my mom, knowing that it was killing her. We would need an, a psychologist or a social worker or someone who has a mental health background, you know, and is certified, licensed, something like that. To explain why these particular things really wounded my mom, because remember, if you had said the same thing to me in my example from earlier, you say the exact same words, um, horrible, horrible things about um Jesus to me, and it wouldn't have bothered me as much because it's not something that I'm like extremely sensitive to. It's something my mom is. So I hope that that helps um, explain not only kind of like, the subjective nature of extreme cruelty. I'm not saying anything bad about Jesus to anybody. <laughs> I'm just using that as an example, because for real, my mom would be very bothered if you were to say anything negative about her Lord and savior. So um, that's my mom. That's, that's her jam. A declaration is important, is a must. You gotta have it. And uh, it's not actually required, but in my experience with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these cases, you, you need a declaration to explain and give context to what happened. If you have photos or text messages or anything like that, that you can take a screenshot of, or if you happen to have them, um, those are helpful as well. And then the psychologist report, those are the, those are the main things. If you have police reports, but so rarely do people have police reports. No, one's going to call the police to say, Hey, my husband keeps threatening to call the police because he knows that you're going to figure out I'm I'm unlawfully here and that you might take me and turn me over to ICE. No one's going to call the police and get a police report on that. It's the whole reason the threat works is because you can't involve the police. So you're not don't get down on yourself if you're like I don't have any proof this has happened to me, but I don't have any proof. What am I going to do? Let us do our thing. We can help you. That is what our job is as advocates. And then, of course, um, the things that I've already listed as well. Okay, the next main question that I get is, will this affect my family member? Oh, man, this question comes up and I just really feel for people because no one wants to rise up in life. Like, I don't want to get a green card by making my kid look bad. I don't want to get a green card by harming my kid. Like, I remember a couple of months ago, there was a young woman who's a U.S. citizen um, over the age of 21, so a U.S. citizen daughter, and both of her parents were undocumented. They both entered the country by walking and they had never left. And she admitted to me that she had threatened to call ICE on them and that she, you know, did other things that were extremely cruel. She was very worried, though, because she works now in a school. And if she loses her security clearance or, you know, some gets some type of criminal allegation against her, she's going to lose her job. So her parents were very apprehensive that I understand that this process isn't, you know, super public. It's not like a public record whatsoever, not like a divorce proceeding or a protective order or anything like that. It's not in the public. But still, I don't want my daughter to be affected. And we assured her that, you know, the things she's done have not been criminal. Threatening to call ICE on your parents is shitty, but it's not criminal. Okay? So, like, there's no criminal proceedings. It's going to come from that. And the only time VAWA could potentially hurt you and, or affect your, your, your child or your spouse or your parent is if you've done something criminal and they're in the process of naturalizing. That's really the only time I've ever seen anything arise. So let me give an example. If you're a lawful permanent resident and you're married to someone who's undocumented, they apply for VAWA. In the VAWA, it explains that the lawful permanent resident has beaten them, has um, done things criminally wrong far beyond the extreme cruelty of threatening to call ICE on them or using the immigration process against them. They've done something that's criminal. That could cause a problem for them if the police get involved, number one. And number two, it could be a concern if, you know, they're trying to renew their green card and perhaps they've done something that they didn't disclose when they were getting their green card, those types of things but they have to be like really on a criminal nature. Um but we have never had we've done m- hundreds of vawa cases and we have never had anyone have any issues whatsoever with their spouse or their child or their parent being negatively affected by vawa. The whole process is created to be very confidential and secret if you will. Um, you can, not you don't even, when you get a receipt notice, you can't even check the status of it online. It's that secure of a process. The numbers just give nothing. When you check them online on the USCIS website, you have to, it's like camp David trying to get an update on your case. So the simple answer is, will this affect my family member? It would, it is almost a stretch of an imagination to find a way for how this could affect your family member, unless they've done something where they obtain their lawful permanent resident card in a nefarious way. And this is going to identify that things like that, just that that are really out there. So you should feel confident knowing that you can file this and it's not going to affect your family member. Okay. Again, this is not legal advice. This is practical advice. And I urge you before you file that you talk to an immigration lawyer because what I don't want you to do is take this away and say, oh, well, this attorney told me that this isn't going to affect my family member, so I should be safe and I'm acting on that. No, what I'm telling you is that you should talk to an immigration lawyer to review this with them, because if come to find out they obtained their green card in an illegal way or something like that, and this comes out, it could affect them. But from a practical perspective perspective we've done hundreds of these and I've never had this become an issue. It, it always could be, but it, it has not become an issue. Okay. I feel like I've sufficiently given a disclaimer on that. The next main question I have is what happens after I file a vowel petition? And I'm going to summarize this and we're going to wrap it up. If you have a vowel petition, you will get a receipt notice about two to four weeks after you file it. And then about six to nine months after that, you should receive a work permit, assuming you're filing um, an adjustment with like your green card application. if It's a vowel with a green card application. Six to nine months after you file, you should get a green card, or I'm sorry, you should get a work permit and eventually your social security number. And then you just wait basically for about two to two and a half years for the approval, assuming it gets approved for a decision. Um, We always hope for an approval for a decision to come through. And then your interview with USCIS will be scheduled. Now, if you're just applying for what's called a standalone VAWA, perhaps you have the permanent bar and there's no way for you to overcome that, um, or you have some other type of issue with your criminal history where you don't feel comfortable applying for a green card, you're going to apply for for VAWA only, and you're going to apply and ask for deferred action. You basically apply, you get your receipt notice, and then you wait two to two and a half years for a decision. It is a long, quiet wait with no updates and really nothing else that happens while you're waiting. I hope that this has been helpful for you. The thing that I really want to reiterate again is that VAWA is when we have a conversation about VAWA, it's really important that we don't pack in a lot of judgment about, I know I call them the air quote, bad guy, but it truly is the air quote. I believe that there is some level of VAWA in every single relationship in a family. I believe that we are extremely cruel to our family at times. I'm not proud of it. I don't think that it's right. I think that it's part of the human experience and it's a trend that I see constantly. So when we talk about this, if you are thinking I'm the air quote bad guy in this story, I don't want you to feel judged. I want to like send love to you and let you know that the things we have done in our life do not define who we are going forward. They're things that we have done. They're not perhaps who we are. And then if you've been on the receiving end of this, it's your journey on how much grace and love and forgiveness you give to the people in your life. As someone who has also experienced extreme cruelty and battery from my parents, I was put in foster care and then a juvie uh, lockup facility when I was a teenager. I give that kid... Hillary, when she was 15, so much love. She went through a lot. She was so brave. She was not a flawless human, but definitely didn't deserve any of what happened to her. But the thing that she experienced, the thing that I experienced when I was that 15 year old has made me who I am today. And for that, I'm, I, I'm grateful. I'm not saying you, I, you're on your own journey of healing and giving meaning or, or not giving meaning to the things that you've experienced. If you've experienced extreme cruelty or battery or worse, but I know for me, the way that I have made sense of it all, the way that I have come to peace with it is to say, I wouldn't be who I am today. If it weren't for the things that have happened to me. And I like who I am today. And I feel strong in the person I am today. And I wouldn't be sitting here in September, 2022. I hadn't had those experiences. And if I'm grateful for the experiences, I'm grateful for the people who did them. I am okay with that. I'm really, really okay with that for me. And I hope that if it's something you're open to, I hope that someday you have that kind of peace as well. And unless and less than until you get there, and if, even if you don't want to, one way or the other, I want you to know that you're loved and that you are enough and that no one is ever deserving. You didn't deserve for someone to treat you extremely cruelly. You didn't deserve for the battery to happen to you. Um, these things happen though. And so if it has happened, I want to make beautiful things out of broken things. I want to help you with that. I hope this podcast is helpful to you for that reason. I send you lots of love. I send you lots of peace. And hopefully someday with this, you're able to either get your work permit and your social security number, or even better yet, your green card. And maybe even someday your US citizenship if that's what you want. Thank you. My friend, I'm so glad you joined me today. If you have a friend or family member who may need some immigration law guidance or even just day-to-day encouragement, please send them a text or email or a DM on social media and say, hey, I think this podcast is going to help you. I sure wish someone had given me the tips I'm sharing here years and years ago when I was starting out as an immigration lawyer. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Adios.